Good morning. There are two scripture passages for us today. And the first is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Our second passage today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what, you, what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us in singing, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
Good morning, everyone. In the Alpha series, Nikki Gumbel, he proposes that prayer is the most important task we can be involved in. This is because love relationships thrive on communication. And that is what prayer is. It is our privilege of communicating with the creator of the universe. God has provided the way through Jesus Christ out of his love for us, out of his immense love for us, so that we can grow in our relationship with him. You know, skeptical people may scoff at prayer as nothing but talking to yourself. And yet, when we pray, we open ourselves to the very presence of God. And there's a sense, there's a real sense of meeting with our triune God. For many of us, myself included, we come out of a time of prayer, feeling at peace, even in the midst of trouble, being given a different perspective and peace, peace that surpasses understanding. Prayer is our means of communicating with the communicating back with the one who so loves us. Prayer is God's gift to us, his adopted children, through Jesus Christ in the Spirit to maintain connection through communication. I think sometimes, though, we take prayer, think of prayer too lightly. We easily forget we are speaking with the creator of all existence, who lives outside of time, the one who is both near us in his imminence yet so beyond us because he's just so amazing in transcendence. He's so holy. And we treat that flippantly. At least I know I do. I fall into that habit. So if prayer is so amazing and Christian prayer is so unique, how and why do we pray? Let's start with that first question. Well, let's start with the second question, actually. Why do we pray? And if you have your Bibles or if you have access to uh, device. Please open it up to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. I invite you to follow along. So Paul, in verses 11 and 12, was highlighting to the recipients of this letter their past separation, their vast, vast distance from God. Religiously, Paul was reminding them they're separated by circumcision, which was a covenantal act just for the Israelites. Culturally, they're separated by not being God's people. They are not the people of Israel. So they're outside of covenant specifically made for the people of Israel. They're outside of hope because they had no relationship with God. They had no means of having a relationship with God. And so they're in a dire straits. And Paul reminds them, but now in Christ Jesus, Jesus has made all the difference. In Christ Jesus, they are found. Through the sacrifice on the cross, Paul mentions You who are formerly far off, so they're brought near by the blood of Christ. The cost of uniting people, those who are chosen because they physically belong to the people of God, and those, the rest of us, those who are not, the cost of uniting us all together was through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The reason why they're brought near, it's made possible through Jesus. He himself is our peace. The enmity is gone. Harmony exists only through Jesus. The ultimate sacrifices of his blood spilled, breaks down barriers. The wall that separated the Gentile worshipers of God and the Jewish worshipers of God is broken down. It brings to mind the temple. There was a Gentile court. That was as close to the presence of God as they were allowed to get. And then the Jewish worshipers were given another level of access to the inner court, and then they had to stop. And then the temple itself and the inner rooms, especially where the ark was kept, was only for the priests. 
And Jesus broke all this down through his sacrifice on the cross. He supersedes, he fulfills the law with the goal in mind, with the goal in mind of uniting people in Christ, whether Jew or Gentile, he establishes peace. That's one outcome. Another outcome is reconciliation, not just for Jews, but for all. And this happens because of the sacrifice. That we are made in a right relationship with God. Jesus on the cross, he puts to death the eternal consequences of sin. He, puts to, he breaks the bondages of slavery to sin. Also puts to death hostility that keeps people away from one another. And in God's kingdom purposes, he was bringing all together in unity. You know, in verse 17, Paul, he repeats and reiterates the peace that Jesus accomplished. He preaches peace to you who are far away, peace to those who are near. It's accessible to everyone. It's given to everyone as a gift. Now, maybe you've been here for the Ephesians series and you're thinking, Alvin, why, why are we talking about all this again? Why go through what Jesus has done when we're talking about prayer? You sort of went off course. I want us to see once again what it took for us to have the privilege of prayer, of having full access to God. And if you look at verse 18 with me, Paul wrote, through him, through Jesus, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. The result of this unity and reconciliation through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, is yes, freedom from bondage to slavery, yes, reconciliation, and yes, having full access to God the Father through the work and power of the Spirit. You know, this word access, what it alludes to is being in right relationship with God. Again, because of Jesus Christ, we are acceptable to God because of what Jesus has done. We have assurance that he is favorably disposed towards us in Christ. We have access. You know, here we have a Trinitarian understanding of prayer. The whole Godhead is involved when we pray through Christ in the Spirit, full access to the Father. The Son is the one who gives us access. Donald Blush, he writes this in that Christian prayer has its basis not only in God the Father, but also in His Son, Jesus Christ, apart from whose mediation and intercession we would not be able to come before the throne of grace. We can't show up before God without Jesus. We have access to the throne of God because Jesus' righteousness covers our sins. Not only were we separated from each other, more so, sin made us separated from God. In one spirit, the spirit of God makes the way possible for both groups of people. Through him, we both have access. Those who were once far away, all these barriers, but that's all broken down through the blood of Christ. And we both have access in the one spirit. You know, in the same way, this is a, Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. There's this mystery there. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
This is what the Spirit does on our behalf, in the Spirit, to the Father. You know, as reconciled people, we come as new kingdom citizens, and we claim also our identity as children of God. You know, another writer, P.T. Forsyth, he reminds us, we do not ask as beggars, but we come as children. So this passage is truly about what it took and what it means to be kingdom citizens. The sacrificial work of Christ making his kingdom and bringing about new kingdom citizens. But the benefit and privilege is having free access to the Father as children. Prayer is not only something we must do. I would say we must do it to live in the power of God daily, moment to moment. In the good times and in the hard times, we need to pray but it is something we get to do. Jesus is interceding on our behalf right now. The prayer that you may even be thinking, I don't know, you know what this, week has, this past week has been for you or what this morning has been for you or what news or what circumstances you've been going through. And maybe there's a prayer going through your mind right now and it's taken up by the one spirit And though we don't know how to pray, the Spirit is transforming it, bringing it before the Father. And He doesn't tire of hearing from us, but He desired this, that Jesus would die on the cross so that we would be united and so that we could have access to Him. God loves to hear from us. We get to pray. We get to pray this amazing God. And how awesome is that? And it's so easy to get tired or to get worn down or to think, do I have to? No, we get to. What a huge privilege. And think about all that it took so that we can be before the throne of God. But how do we pray? So if you have your Bibles, let's flip back over to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount In this portion of the sermon, he's addressing his followers that they should do things in direct opposition, totally opposite to hypocrites, people who are just acting. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They just love to stand around, pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. They may be seen. The hypocrites put on a show around prayer, standing in public places, wanting to be seen by people and wanting to impress their eloquence, how close they are to God. Jesus instructs the people to pray behind closed doors to the Father. God is not in the showing off with, and with those who are trying to impress, but he makes himself accessible to those who may not be the most eloquent, who may not be the most polished, who are maybe crying out in desperation, maybe using words that you know, we don't want our mothers or other family members to hear us use and yet we cry out because we need to. God makes himself accessible to that. He is accessible to everyone. He continues on to say, also prayer is not about begging with many, many words, not trying to annoy God or make sure he hears and just repeating and repeating and repeating. No, as a result, in verse 8, He says, so do not be like them. Don't do that. 
This is not how children of God should pray, but we should pray knowing that God loves to be communicated with, even though He knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows what you need. It doesn't make prayer a useless exercise. Maybe you think, well, if God already knows what I'm going to pray, He already knows what I'm going to say, then why? Why do it? It doesn't make it a useless exercise. P.T. Forsyth, again, he writes, love loves to be told what it knows already. It wants to be asked for what it longs to give. Love wants to be asked for what it longs to give. Augustine said this, God does not ask us to tell him our needs that he may learn about them, but in order that we may be capable of receiving what he is preparing to give. You know, are we ready to receive it if we don't even know what it is we're asking for? And yet sometimes God blesses us anyways. We may not have formally prayed about something and yet he blesses us anyways. How do we pray? We pray not for show, to prove how righteous we are. We pray in faith knowing that we can pray simply, desperately, and God will hear us. We do not have to convince God to hear us as if we have to repeat it enough times. We have free access to God through Jesus Christ in the spirit to pray to God in any way, structured or unstructured. But may I also suggest that what some good things to include in our prayer lives, simply thank you, sorry, please. It's good to be in gratitude to this God of all creation who does so much for us, who has done so much for us through Jesus Christ. Again, I'm also culpable of just living with so much stuff and forgetting just how much God has blessed me with. But if we take time to say thank you, if we take time to start to think about all that God has done for us, it, you know, it sets a perspective. It's important. We say sorry. We confess. Because there's nothing like carrying a bag of rocks around of shame and just, it's just our own brokenness. And it's so good to lay it down on the feet of Jesus Christ and know that through him we are forgiven fully. We pray, please, because it's good to entrust our loved ones and those things that, we, that God brings into our attention that we want to pray about and put it into the hands of a faithful God. And the big question around prayer circles around the efficacy of prayer, the desire for prayer to work. We all want God to do for us what we want. And when we really think about it, when we start to think about, was that prayer a quote-unquote good prayer? It was not with impure motives. Maybe we have lingering prayers that haven't been answered, or we feel they're, they're coming from a good place. They aren't selfish, they aren't immoral, and yet nothing's happening. So how does God answer prayer? And here we build up a relationship with God and like a good parent, the father, he doesn't always say yes, but there are answers of no. There are answers of wait. Yes, no, wait. We don't want to hear no. And we don't want to hear wait. But we trust God in his timing. Sometimes, again, those unspoken prayers, those things we didn't know we even wanted, are answered, and it's amazing. You know, one of my favorite ads growing up, it was a tearjerker, even as, like, a, trying to be a hardened teen. 
There's this uh, kid who comes from a modest farming family. Times are obviously lean. This is set in like the 1950s. And he receives a catalog where he sees this thing he didn't even know he wanted and needed until he saw it as he's flipping through this catalog. It's this beautiful red bike. He cuts the picture out and he takes it with him everywhere, sneaking a look at it during school when he's supposed to be studying. And in the commercial, the narrator says, I just couldn't bring myself to ask my dad. And that narration voices over this picture of the dad working hard and he's, like, he's you know, doing some plowing in the field and it's just dusty. There's, it's not rich soil and it looks dire, like it looks hard. And so the son says, I just couldn't bring myself to ask my dad and the little boy is heartsick over it. And one day his dad calls him out and asks him to help unload a new set of tires from the truck. Boy, come and help me unload some tires, some new tires from the truck. And so the boy comes with him, and he's just broken, and he just loves this bike so much, and it's just this unspoken thing, and he trudges beside his dad to the thing, and the dad pulls out the bike, and he sets it before him. And what the boy didn't know was that the dad had also looked at the catalog, and he noticed the page with a hole in it. And this dad did some detective work to find out what it was his son really wanted and got it for him. On the end of the ad, you hear the narrator's voiceover wistfully say, boy, what I'd give to see my face that day. And he's just this kid's look of wonder and awe as this is given to him. It is a delight to give to kids exactly what they're hoping for or what they ask for but are not expecting to get. Sometimes as a parent, you do have to wait because the timing is off. It's just off. And sometimes it's just a full no. You can't do that. You can't. Because it's for the best for the kids. But those times that you get to say a full yes to the joy of the Father. You know, again, sometimes we have prayer requests that are good, urgent, so needed, and and yet the answer seems to be no. And I know that, you know, many of us in this room maybe have gone through some tough times recently, and I don't know. I don't know God's purpose there. You know, in my own family experience, Uh, I have three children, and each of them was born with mild, moderate hearing loss. It's not the worst thing. You know, they're uh, they're not deaf, but each of them were screened when they were babies, and we were told with the first, uh, with Kingsley, that, you know, oh, she failed her hearing screening, but don't worry, it happens all the time, so just go get get it checked out. And so she went to the second one as a, as a little baby in the baby carrier, and she failed that one. And then our do- family doctor was like, don't worry about it. You, shouldn't, don't, you don't even have to go, don't worry. But we did anyways, and she failed the third one, and we found out, yeah, she had hearing loss. So first-time parents, again, it's not the end of the world, but just devastated. And then Brooklyn was born, and Esther was recovering, and I was with Brooklyn in, in the hearing screening. And then... She didn't pass. And you know, the nurse is trying to tell me otherwise, but in my heart I knew it's the same. And she's getting tested, and again, the same sort of thing, mild, moderate, not the worst, but you know, for parents, you know, you still feel hurt. And then with Elias, our third, again. And it's not the worst thing in the world but we ask God, God, why? Or God, heal. 
And maybe we just have to be more faithful and just ask with more boldness. Heal. You know, whatever's going on with their, like the inner ear, inner workings of their ear, might something just happen miraculously and, and might they be healed? The answer right now is no. It might be wait, but right now it's a no. Not the worst thing, but hard. Corey Tenboom, she said this, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. I love that. Corey Tenboom had an amazing way. You don't, when things get dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still, you trust the engineer. You trust that he's going to, or she's going to get you to where you need to be. So may I encourage us this week that we get to pray. We get to pray anywhere and at any time. We get to pray structured or unstructured. We get to pray with cries of desperation or in times of good times of saying, thank you, God, it's been so good. Let's keep our prayers honest. He already knows. Let's keep our prayers simple. We don't have to keep repeating and repeating and repeating, begging. And for myself, and for maybe some of you too, I want to encourage you, let's keep it up. Let's keep praying. And praying for our church, praying for direction, praying for leading for this bright future that God is leading us into. Let's pray for each other here. And right now, you know, as this passage in Matthew chapter 6, it goes on in chapter, uh, verse 9, where Jesus says, pray this way. And I invite you to do so now. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us together. It should come up. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.